You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, Provisions for Divorce. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, and if, after she leaves this house, she becomes the wife of another man, and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then the first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So this section doesn't command, commend, condone, or even suggest divorce. Elsewhere, God says he hates divorce, Malachi 2.16, since he has designed marriage for life. But it recognizes that it does occur, and so it permits it on restricted grounds. There must be a legitimate grievance, and a formal document must be issued. Divorce conveys defilement. That was the reason a woman... Ha- who has been divorced and remarried, then divorced again or widowed, could not return to her first husband. Verse 5. Exemption from military service. If a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. We saw in chapter 20. Uh, there were four exemptions to voluntary military service. Recent marriage was one of them, but here it is stating it positively. He should not be away from his new wife in the first year of their marriage, so he can be free to bring her happiness and establish their marriage. It's not clear what the other duty laid on him might be. Verse 6. Don't take a necessity as security. Do not take a pair of millstones, not even the upper one, as security for a debt, because that would be taking a person's livelihood as security. So such items were given in pledge to guarantee the repayment of a loan. To grind their grain for their daily bread, two millstones were needed. So to take even the upper movable one as security for a debt made them unusable. The reason given was that it would be taking away someone's necessary equipment, like taking away a carpenter's tools. They would be in want, and repayment would be impossible. This is similar to the prohibition against taking someone's cloak, which they would need to sleep in. Exodus 22. Verse 7. No kidnapping. If someone is caught kidnapping a fellow Israelite and treating or selling them as a slave, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from among you. So this would recall their early days when the sons of Israel sold their brother Joseph as a slave. Exodus 21.16 says, Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. So the transatlantic slave trade was an example of this type of kidnapping. Selling them as a slave or kidnapping them brought the death penalty because God saw this as a great evil. Stealing and then selling people as slaves indicates the only time the death penalty was imposed for theft, except for the death of the thief at the scene of the crime, Exodus 22, 
2 and 3. So this theft could not be compensated for with restitution money. And this again relates back to the supreme value of people over possessions. Verses 8 and 9, skin diseases. In case of defiling skin diseases, be very careful to do exactly as the Levitical priests instruct you. You must follow carefully what I have commanded them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam along the way after you came out of Egypt. So Levit Leviticus chapter 13 gives instructions to priests about how to recognize and treat skin diseases, including when to quarantine. The reminder about the curse of leprosy on Miriam, Moses' sister, when she and Aaron didn't like that he was their leader, is an example written for our instruction. Verses 10 to 13, no coercion but kindness. When you make a loan of any kind to your neighbor, do not go into their house to get what is offered to you as a pledge. Stay outside and let the neighbor to whom you are making the loan bring the pledge out to you. So if someone owed them anything, they were not to enter their homes to get it, as this would be seen as coercion. They were to restrain their conduct so the person in debt could retain some dignity, and it prevented the lender from throwing their weight around and treating the borrower like he was worthless. If the neighbor is poor, do not go to sleep with their pledge in your possession. Return their cloak by sunset so that your neighbor may sleep in it, then they will thank you, and it will be regarded as a righteous act in the sight of the Lord your God. So Israelites were allowed to extend loans to each other, but they must not charge interest, Exodus 22:25, demand repayment by coercion, as here, or extend the loan beyond the seventh year, Deuteronomy 15. So verses 14 and 15, treat employees fairly. Do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in one of your towns. Pay them their wages each day before sunset, because they are poor and are counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. Day laborers, whether Israelites or foreigners, were to be paid daily. In an agrarian society, up to 70 to 80 percent of their income went to food, so they had to be paid daily so that their families could eat. Leviticus 19.13 says, Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. So these two clauses are placed together because to withhold wages was a type of theft. Solomon speaks of the withholding of wages as motivated by greed. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. Verse 16, each person responsible for their own sin. Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. Punishment for a crime was to be borne only by the offender. Ezekiel chapter 18 fleshes this out, but the key verse there is this, For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. So this is applicable today with the sin of abortion. 
Even in a horrific situation when the pregnancy is the result of rape, the innocent child should not get a death sentence for the sin of the father. So there were a few exceptions to this in scripture. The families of Daniel's accusers were thrown into the lion's den along with them, but that was done by a pagan king, Daniel 6. Um, Saul's sons were put to death by the Gibeonites as an atonement for Saul's breach of an earlier promise not to put the Gibeonites to death. It resulted in a three-year famine and was only ended after this was done. So this was in God's wisdom. And after the adultery between David and Bathsheba, their first son died. Again, this was in God's providence, but the child would not have been a legitimate choice for the throne. So God gave them Solomon to fill that role. When Korah and others rebelled against the leadership of Moses and Aaron, the earth swallowed them up along with everything they had. But we are told elsewhere, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men, and they served as a warning sign. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. So during the time of Joshua, when Achan stole things from Jericho and hid them, both he and his family were killed. It doesn't say they were small children, so it could be that they were adult children who were aware of the theft and even complicit in it. Finally, when King Ahab framed and then had Naboth murdered for his vineyard, 1 Kings 21, he also killed Naboth's sons, 2 Kings 9.26, so there would be no one to make a claim on the property. But that vineyard was where the Lord decreed that Ahab would be buried as retribution and poetic justice. Verses 17 and 18, Kindness to Foreigners, Widows, and Orphans. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice, or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there, and that is why I command you to do this. So the rationale for this kindness and concern for justice for the disadvantaged was because they were once in a difficult, helpless, and hopeless situation in Egypt, but God had mercy on them and helped them, Therefore, they were also to help others who had no power or influence. Laws were to be applied equitably to all members of society. Verses 19 to 22. Allow the needy to glean fields. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. So he gives three examples of situations at harvest grain fields, olive groves, and vineyards, when they have an opportunity to do good simply by being less thorough in their harvesting. The extra food is for the poor widows, orphans, and foreigners among them, and these were people without protectors or advocates. They were not to get just meager scraps, but enough food is to be left behind deliberately. Then God would bless them in everything they did. 
Psalm 41.1 says, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. And Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. So the reminder of slavery in Egypt was the rationale for this as well, along with God's concern for Israel to be a kind and just society, caring for its weaker members. These three groups of people have always been a special focus of concern to God. A wonderful picture of this is, uh, in practice is found in the book of Ruth, where Boaz instructs his workers to even drop extra sheaves of grain on purpose. That's Ruth 2:15 and 16. So even if we are not employers or farmers, we can show kindness, generosity, and concern for the poor in other ways. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Divorce was allowed under the Mosaic law under certain conditions. Jesus said divorce was allowed because of hard hearts, but it was not so from the beginning. Kidnapping was forbidden and carried the death penalty. In the New Covenant, it is still forbidden. They were told to remember what God did to Miriam, who was struck with leprosy. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11 says, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. They were to pay their day laborers' wages daily and not hold them back. Otherwise, they might cry out to God against them. Jesus told the parable of the workers in the vineyard to demonstrate this, but to show that at the judgment all his servants obtain heaven, whether they worked a short or long time in his vineyard. He is faithful to reward us. James condemns the rich who do not follow this command, showing that it was still applicable in the new covenant. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. He hears the cries of the poor and the oppressed. They were to show kindness to foreigners, widows, and orphans. Jesus showed kindness to outcasts, the sick, the disabled, widows, and beggars. In the church we are all to show compassion but deacons are appointed specifically to care for physical needs. Acts 6 You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 25. May God bless the study of his word.